0: This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network.
1: Well, is the exception. He doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, and the saint. The rest of them, yeah. Pardon my French fuck those fuckers.
0: And welcome to The Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series, The Boys, and all things masculine, quote, unquote, in quotation marks. (laughs) I feel like I'm still working on trying to get my little hook for this episode, but we'll find it. Um, I'm Jen Adams.
1: And I'm Rachel Reeves
0: and we are here today to talk about season 1 episode 3 of the boys. This episode is called Get Some and Rachel, I was telling you off air, like these these episodes have these delightful little descriptions and as a person who often writes podcast descriptions that I put a lot of time trying to be clever into and I really worry that nobody ever sees. Like, I thought it would be fun to read these (laughs) because they're really cute and they're funny and they just really fit with the tone of the series. So for today... It's the race of the century, A-Train versus Shockwave vying for the title of World's Fastest Man. Meanwhile, the boys are reunited and it feels so good. So funny.
1: It just feels like out of another time, like so like quaint, like in like the, I don't know, like 30s or 40s or something. It's like World's Fastest Man.
0: I know. (laughs) Yeah, and we'll probably talk about this later, but, like, I was just loving all of the showmanship for this. It was, like, if the Super Bowl lasted, like, less than a second. That's, like, what this race feels like, you know? (laughs) Yeah, like,
1: why would you even go in person? Like, you can't even see it.
0: (laughs) I know! And, like, how much time and energy are they spending, like, making this a worthwhile event for people to go to, you know?
1: Like, all right, thanks for hanging out for two hours and for uh, just seeing that, you know, one point... One second thing, that's time to go. Exactly see you later.
0: It's like when when you were a kid and like you used to say, "Yeah, I can do five cartwheels in a row. Ooh, I did them so fast you couldn't see it." Like that's Classic. what this whole event feels like. Which yep. I wasn't expert of the five cartwheels in a row so fast you can't see it, so. You know. <laughs> <laughs> But let's talk about this episode. So, Rachel, can you tell us about Get Some?
1: Yeah. So this episode is directed by Philip Scritchia, I think.
0: Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry,
1: Phil, if I'm uh, pronouncing your name wrong, but I'm sure you're used to it. And uh, he is, I mean, a very talented person, it seems like. He's a producer, director, editor. He's worked on such series that you may be familiar with, uh, Supernatural, Smallville, (laughs) and uh, must have a Raimi connection somewhere because he's also worked on Xena and the Hercules TV show. And fun thing, digging way back into his history, he edited the Max Headroom series. So worth mentioning.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm familiar with two of those things, and it's Max Headroom and Supernatural, Um, But those things are very interesting and fun. And it's 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 interesting to see like the people that are working on this and what they've worked on before, because there's always this like level of quirkiness, like tongue in cheek kind of humor, you know, Uh That I think it's like this show really lends itself to and you can kind of like I imagine if I were a director or a writer or producer, like it feels like you just have full license to just go all in on this with the boys you know which i imagine would be really really exciting you know
1: yeah and i'm excited to see like as we continue on this journey with the boys (laughs) to see like who returns and especially for some of like the bigger like episodes to see who's handling that because yeah directing tv is always seems kind of wild to me like you just come in and do like one episode of something that's like ongoing like that's i don't know it's so weird but gotta be fun though
0: Especially like when you see somebody like Karen Kusama directing like an episode of Yellow Jackets, you know, I'm like, how is this different from like directing a film, knowing that you are kind of having to build off of something that somebody else has already established? Like I remember with The Outsider and Ozark, like Jason Bateman set the tone for the series and the other directors would come in and like build off of that or try to match that. So I just wonder what the difference is, you know, and if there's kind of a relief to not having to figure all of that out, or if you feel like constrained by other people's decisions, you know. Totally.
1: Yeah. And I'm also excited to see like if there's any, you know, celebrity names that I I might recognize that do an episode that I had no idea because this is my first time going through this series. So I'm my eyes are open.
0: Well, there is one, this is something we'll talk about a lot with season three, but you know how there are like directors that like tend to work with the same actors over and over and over again? Yeah. And so Jensen Ackles, who's star of Supernatural, Mm -hmm. super hunk, hilarious also, he's going to show up in season three. So it's interesting, like when it's a television kind of relationship like that, but I feel like because this is a premium channel show, it's not the same as, like, a 22-episode a network TV run. Like, yeah. it, it's it kind of feels like it lies somewhere in the middle of, like, film and TV, you know? Oh, yeah, prestige television. Prestige TV, <laughs> which I feel like The Boys is probably close to as far away as you could get to prestige TV, <laughs> but still, like, with the quality of prestige yeah. TV, you know? Well, speaking of The Boys... Rachel, can you tell us what is Sup with the Soups?
1: Yeah, so this is where we're going to recap and uh, catch up on what's been happening and what they've been up to. So in the last episode, when we last left Huey, he had just pulled the trigger <laughs> on a major life decision. <laughs> and that nice. decision just happened to leave Translucent, a soup, in case you, you don't remember, uh, in literal pieces all over the place. <laughs> um, and they had to figure out how to get rid of him. so that, was interesting (laughs) um so starlight was forced to team up with the deep uh in the last ep and promised to kill him if he ever attempted to assault her again just wanted yeah just felt like standing up and clapping in that moment stood her Uh ground put him in his place but she also kind of learned the sad truth about what fighting crime was like with this elite seven which upset her so uh, acting out Mm -hmm. she you know acting out that's a strong phrase but anyways she (laughs) intervenes in a date rape in progress which garners nothing but yells and disappointment from ashley (laughs) apparently that's a big no-no but
0: uh actually fighting crime
1: (laughs) yeah actually you know yeah being a a good superhero and but whatever Mm -hmm. um
0: Homelander, we
1: see his concern for Translucent growing, although I'm not sure if he's actually concerned about Translucent, but more just like concerned that, the you know, everybody else isn't concerned and like what that might mean for him. Um, mm.
0: Oh, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Or maybe they're good friends. I don't know. Maybe they're tight.
0: And well I not feel anymore. Like Homelander um does it, exactly, yeah. They they were, were. hard times feeling like Homelander is really friends with anyone, like he doesn't quite seem like the per- kind of person that's capable of that, but
1: Yeah, I, mean, I can't it. see
0: him like hanging
1: out, like barbecuing together, like watching a football game. Like he doesn't really seem right. the type.
0: No, like what does he do in his free time aside from just like wandering around staring at pictures of himself or like creeping on Madeline while she's know. nursing, you know? Probably
1: just watching American Psycho over and over again.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: <laughs> um, and uh, we also see Madeline let him know that she knows about him downing that plane. So, I mean, nothing gets past Madeline. And she uh, probably, should probably
0: catch on to that. So yep. I think, yeah, that's kind of where we're at with the soups. Nice. And so we just caught up with our soups on screen, but what is going on with getting us closer to actually seeing season four?
1: Yeah. So today, today on Twitter, it's breaking news, everyone. Breaking. <laughs> As of time of recording, breaking news. Um, Eric Kripke shared a picture and uh, his tweet said, shut on set, the season four finale, everything a growing soup needs. And, you know, this is a auditory <laughs> platform, so this picture doesn't really do much, but it's a can, a can, and mm-hmm. it says, Potted Meat Vought Fresh Farms.
2: Hmm.
1: So as, yeah, as this is my first time through the series, I have no idea if this means anything to anybody who's been, like, watching the series, but anyways. so I mean, I'll that. say,
0: I don't know what it means. Okay. Like, so I don't know. Um, Although, you know, it is a can of soup. So, you know, what mm. what are the soups? <laughs> is it soup? Mean? I don't know. That's, it was probably not ground up soup <laughs> superheroes in this oh, can. Yeah, a yeah, new marketing <laughs> campaign. I don't know. Yeah.
1: And uh, also that uh, it was announced recently that f- the finale will be titled Assassination Run. Ooh. Oh.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. I have some thoughts about what that might mean.
1: So, yeah, that's where we're at with the upcoming season of The Boys.
0: That's awesome. I am so excited for season four. But before we get to season four, we got to get to season one. All right. So let's go to our section called Bad Boys. And these are Who Are the Bad Guys? And so last week we saw one side of Ashley, and this week we saw another side of Ashley. Um Once she realizes she's not in trouble anymore, she is all in on supporting Starlight. I love... Like, she's one of the characters I love to hate, and this flip just makes me so happy as a viewer. It would enrage me if I were Starlight and tell me, I can't trust you. You are not helping me at all. You are helping yourself, but... Because she, she completely reverses her opinion on Starlight and not even like, Starlight, you have to be careful. Like, she's not even giving her a lecture. She's like, yeah, you were great. Like, it is a complete 180.
1: Oh, yeah. Big flip flopper. And just like, <laughs> so funny to me because like, this is like PR has to be kind of a nightmare job. I would uh-huh. think <laughs> like this because that's the thing. It's like you think you have a plan. And then something takes off and it's like, of course, you have to ride that wave. But like Mm -hmm. also, you know, you can I mean, you wouldn't want to admit that you were wrong, which clearly Mm -hmm. Ashley does not. So, I mean, she's dropping all those analytics and numbers and, you know, what's trending. And it's just it's disgusting and hilarious at the same time. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and it is it is about the numbers and it's about how popular Starlight is. It's not that she did a good thing. Right. And thank God, because I mean, I could even see with her justification, like you have to be careful because all three of these people could sue you. Like I could understand her being nervous and her being mad about that. She's not even concerned about that. She was concerned about how it was going to look and now that it looks good, she's yeah. happy.
1: And well, it's interesting because you would think that maybe she would take a sec and like think about like wait why is this you know why is this doing well like what is it about this that people are liking but you Mm. know as far as like what we see in this moment there's none of that like it's just numbers but they're not actually Mm. analyzing like why people might be responding to this in a positive way they're just like oh they just love you and right maybe maybe that's not the whole story there
0: right yeah maybe they they like are tracking your earnestness and yeah. like, cause I mean, we have seen how fake the soups are. And mm-hmm. I feel like when we get to Huey's bedroom and we see all of the soup merch that he has, like you can kind of tell that the larger public, unless they're like really critically thinking about it, they're probably just going along with flow and like, yeah, Homelander, he seems pretty cool. You know, Queen Mae, if she's hot, I like her, she's strong. And they're not really thinking about this, but I think at a certain level, it's like with politicians, like you can pick up when people are being honest with you and yeah. when people are full of shit. And there's a, a kind of like lower level lizard brain thing that I think activates in that situation. And I think people just really like connect with Starlight because she seems to actually be honest, you know? And yeah. It's like Keanu Reeves. Shit.
1: Like, I mean, yeah, like. he's like, you know, he's an actor. He's great. I mean, I love John Wick movies, mm-hmm. but <laughs> you know. I think everybody kind of universally adores him because of who he is off screen, right? Like he just seems mm-hmm. like such a wonderful human, earnest human being that like mm-hmm. for for decades has been practicing what he preaches and like that's what we love about him. So it's kind of sad that Ashley isn't seeing this. So I'd be I'm curious to see how that progresses and if she ever has that revelation or at least acknowledges yeah. it anyways.
0: Well, and it's interesting when you were talking about PR, I was thinking like it does like ordinarily, I imagine being in PR would be a really hard job. And if we have anybody who's listening who does do work in PR, I would love to hear about it. Like, let us know what it's actually like. Um, But she is in this terrible company working PR like she is essentially tasked with doing the impossible under threat of death every day because if she Mm. does something that pisses some of these soups off like homelander will could just kill her and the company would cover it up and she knows because she's covered up deaths before you know so i imagine like not only does she work for a boss who clearly doesn't give a shit about her um but she also like she's doing her job under threat of like being burned by laser eyes (laughs) so
1: (laughs) oh my god like, what if you did PR at, like, Twitter or, like, Tesla? <laughs> like, if anybody works there, like,
0: just send yeah. them an anonymous. Hey, t- we'll, we'll keep you anonymous. Yeah, we just want to know, you know? <laughs> oh. I also want to shout out Colby Manipi. She's the one who plays Ashley. And she just, I just love her in this role. And she's one of those actresses where every time I see her, I look up. Where, I've, where have I seen her before? Because she she feels so familiar. But she's just, she's fantastic in this role
1: agree yeah she's fun
0: yeah um well okay we talked about homelander so maybe we can kind of move into him we don't he doesn't do a whole lot in this episode but we do see he hates madeline's baby which (laughs) cracks me up (laughs) and like they have this little stare down you know and you would think like he's mr america you know like he's Mm -hmm. like he's the kind of person that you would imagine like kissing babies and like just wanting people to to like him and being Mr. Wholesome family man. But he just fucking hates this baby because this baby is getting her attention.
1: Yeah. And it just seems like Hobelander's that kind of person that just like can't be happy for anybody. And mm-hmm. is just like rather than like actually s- reflecting on himself and like why, you know, maybe he's not happy with his own life. He's just going to scowl at other people that are like doing their best to live their life in a you know positive way and so i just god he just just seems bitter and very unhappy
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and like i think you it is a really smart comparison to american psycho and on psychoanalysis we covered that for narcissism and he is just such an extreme narcissist yeah and that's what happens when like He is literally at the top of the food chain. Like nobody on earth can hurt him. Right. Except as we'll find out later, one thing Butcher says is like it's their reputations that are their their weaknesses, you know. And that's why I think he is so ultra sensitive to when people don't like him or when he's not getting everyone's full attention. Like I have I work with somebody who like has this like laser like focus for when he is presenting and you stop paying attention and he'll look at you and he'll ask you a question. And it, like it really freaked me out for a little bit. And then I just learned like it's, it's because he, he needs this validation, you know, it's just a part, an aspect of his personality and he's great. Like he's not going to kill me with laser eyes, but like That's homelander, good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. But like Homelander, he has this like that's one of his sixth sense. It's like translucent knowing how to read people. He knows when people are not focused on him and it freaks him out. And I think his response is to try to intimidate, you know. Yeah. And we see that with Maeve, right? Like that was actually,
1: I Mm -hmm. mean, learn. I'm so happy to have her back in this episode and get to see her a little bit more. But also we saw her interacting with Homelander and... There's some weird dynamics going on there, and it did not make me like Homelander at all.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and Maeve is one of those really interesting characters where, I like, we don't know too much about her yet, but, like, she, she kind of feels like Madeline in a way that, like, she doesn't seem, like bad to say but she is working for the enemy you know and you can tell that she's a little bit conflicted i would say mave is better than madeline i would put mave clearly in the heroes column and madeline clearly in the villains column but i feel yeah. like there's a lot of gray area with both of them you know mm-hmm. um but yeah she, i wrote down what he says to her because we find out that they used to date which one i would like to see them you know some, I mean, some fun scenes with the two of them because they're both so beautiful yeah what, yeah that's a tape i would watch it <laughs> oh yeah it's like in, in um in twilight or i guess it would be breaking dawn like when they both become vampires and they could just like fuck so much that they destroy yeah. their house yeah <laughs> like, like on their honeymoon or whatever <laughs> right like i want to see the soup tape but um knowing the power dynamic that homelander kind of has over people like you kind of get the feeling maybe this was not like like a consensual relationship you know Mm. and or maybe i wanted to ask what your thoughts about that are like we know that they broke up we don't know why they broke up but we know that they are no longer together and so i'm just kind of curious what's your impression of this former relationship and the relationship between the two of them now
1: well i mean he seems like a really toxic ex to have and like oh god Mm -hmm. that would just suck not only to have like a douchey ex but like have to work with him Ugh. um, mm-hmm. and live yeah. with him too oh yeah and the same yeah no bueno mm-hmm. um yeah <laughs> but I, I'm curious to learn more about that and to mm-hmm. like learn if that was something they entered into willingly because they actually did have something romantic or if it was just like a PR stunt mm-hmm. and a PR stunt that maybe you know they went into without feelings but maybe homelander ended up developing some i don't know so i'm curious to see like learn a little bit more about how that came about
0: Mm -hmm. it's like with mr and mrs smith if mrs smith like wasn't really that into mr smith but mr smith was super into it you know yeah um and the thing he says it, this is so creepy. And he looks right at her and he says, if I ever really thought you'd fallen for someone else, I just don't think I could handle it. And like when I'm looking at that on the page, it doesn't feel that weird. Like it feels like, oh, I'm just I'm fragile. I miss you, you know. But the way he delivers it is Mm-mm. so creepy and it's so sinister and threatening, you know.
1: Yeah. Ooh. It's very much like that. If I can't have you, no one can. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. I mean, frankly terrifying.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially given that he's the strongest man on earth. Although she is and this is something I can't remember when we actually find this out, but she is like the second strongest person on the planet, I think. Like she is as close to his physical equal as anybody, I think. Okay. I'm I could I'm sure there's some soup somewhere in the another part of the world or somebody that's going to be in season four that like you know but she they have very equivalent strength and so the fact one that she is clearly feels uncomfortable around him but also she is close to his physical equal so like he can't really push her around as much as she can everybody else you know yeah because he says that to her after he's just like mowed her down with a, an AK-47, you know, and it's had absolutely no effect. So it's I, I love this scene where they're just kind of like strolling along, talking about their day through this active shooter situation. And then they're oh like, taking the elevator and him just kind of waiting in the hallway. And then they go in and like save the day. It's just so matter of fact and well, it's hilarious
1: and like what i couldn't get over is like okay so like there's all these other cops around right mm-hmm. like there are other people who i mean they're not superheroes like their lives are at risk and there is mm-hmm. a shooter shooting down at them and so literally any second could be potentially their last <laughs> mm-hmm. and yet there's no urgency from these superheroes like they are literally just like strolling through this situation like not a care in the world but everybody Mm. else around them is putting their lives at risk in that situation and that was just a really interesting way to kind of subtly highlight their weird privilege like (laughs) that they you know aren't aren't even acknowledging really you know i guess homelander's like well you're the real heroes but he's not actually i don't know like trying to help them quickly and make sure that they're safe
0: (laughs) exactly and we've now heard him say that at least twice before it's such like a pat answer you know it's like hey you guys you're the real heroes now tell us what's going on so we can save the day you know it's so it's such a practice to lie well, it's like condescending because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, cause like-
1: actually trying to like like help us if we were like actually real here like i feel like you'd want to like hurry a little bit <laughs>
0: Right, exactly. But- it's like if you compare it to Superman, it's like him like seeing I know he doesn't see the bad signal. I know that's somebody else. But like if that he realizes <laughs> Right, right, right. Like he realizes there's a crime and he runs in and he tries to get there as fast as he can every yeah. single time. He drops what he can because he's like a good superhero. And I kinda like like that like that's not realistic. That's not human. That is well, I mean, it's superhuman, but like If this is something that you do every single day, I imagine like the urgency, you start to kind of lose your urgency because it's like, if everything is an emergency, nothing is, you know? So yeah,
1: that's a good point.
0: It's also kind of shows the mundanity of what their lives must actually be like, you know, which is why I think the show is so genius because it's in like little depictions like that. Of them just kind of casually walking into this that like unlocks so many different things about this character and mm-hmm. this the, like this situation. It's just, it's fascinating.
1: Well, it's a job. Like, doesn't she like right. even ask me of like, why do we do this again? She's like, well you know like or why do we put up with it and she's like well they sign our checks like
0: right mm-hmm. it's a job <laughs> they're not yeah like what know... else are we supposed to do yeah mm-hmm.
1: unlike you know superman and all these you know marvel and dc heroes. like as far as like, as far as i know they're not getting paid they're doing it mm-hmm. for quote unquote altruistic <laughs> reasons <laughs> right you know? and... because
0: they have like other sources of income or they like live in magic town where journalists actually get paid like a living <laughs> wage <laughs> Yeah. 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 I mean. And have plenty of time to save the day and like write their pieces all the time, you know. I know. That's a good yeah. point. I never thought of it. Yeah, when was he actually writing all those
1: pieces?
0: <laughs> I know. Like think about transcribing interviews like how much time it fucking takes me to find images. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't save the day. <laughs> I could barely like Keep, yes. Take a shower. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We'll peek into my life. <laughs> uh, but another thing I think is really interesting too, and I have this in my shock and awe notes. But like when they get there, like he, Homelander just kills this guy. You know, there's no like arrest, and Maeve is like frustrated because it was supposed to be her caller, not because she cares, but because she wanted to be on cnn she wanted to walk do a perp walk with him she wanted to be seen as a hero yeah and she can't do that if homelander has punched his fist through his heart like that you can't save the day then so i thought i thought that was interesting
1: yeah i definitely think they yeah mavis is has really piqued my interest i'm very curious be, and just because i haven't quite figured her out yet. And it yeah. seems like she's fully aware and like disillusioned, but still it's like I think there's a nugget of a person in there who still like wants to be a hero. Mm-hmm. Like there's something in there. Like she's not she's not a lost cause yet, I feel like.
0: Yeah. She is she is just fascinating. She's also awesome and she's super strong and I love her, but she yeah. she like she's such a complex character and I love just every minute that we get to spend with her well speaking of somebody new um did we meet Popclaw last week or is this is the first no. week we meet pop claw right yeah. so
1: this is the first time she actually showed up
0: they mentioned her but this is the mm-hmm. first time
1: she you know appeared
0: well okay so what are your thoughts on pop claw
1: well first off i didn't know it was Brittany allen and i love oh. Brittany allen um
0: what do we know britney allen from because i know i recognize her face
1: yeah so Brittany allen was in uh what keeps you alive oh. and yeah so she was in that and she's also a great composer and a songwriter <gasps> she did the score for that movie z <gasps> um and that she also freaked
0: me the fuck out hmm <laughs>
1: And then also did the score for what keeps you alive and she's got some solo albums. I actually interviewed her a few years ago. And so like when she <laughs> popped up, it was something that like I knew, you know, but I hadn't watched the boys yet obviously, so it didn't necessarily uh-huh. like register. Anyway, so when she popped up, I was like, "Oh my god, that's her. I forgot. She's in this, but I didn't know who she was." And so, yeah. That's
0: so exciting. Oh. Yeah. And she's... I still have not seen What Keeps You Alive. I need to check that out.
1: Oh, Jen. Yep. You need to see that movie. <laughs> That's a Jen movie, I feel like. One you'll appreciate. Ooh, nice. Um, but yeah, I was excited to see her in this role mm. and to kind of see that there are second tier, I can't remember what A-Train calls her, B-List. It's like a B-List. Yeah. yeah something like a like B-List that. Mm-hmm. superhero, a B-List soup mm. and kind of what existing like that means cuz we see like she can't pay his rent, pay her rent mm. and you know has some issues with compound v which oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's talk about compound v. We can and we and there's so much to say about pop club but I feel like it might be a good time to introduce compound v cuz this is I feel like we mentioned translucent mentioned it yes. in the last episode. Yeah. We've heard oh and the this, mayor of Baltimore Yeah. Knew about it, but so Compound V is kind of a performance enhancing drug for superheroes, but it also has addictive qualities. Yes, so that was
1: interesting because we see, mm-hmm. yeah, A Train taking advantage of that to make mm-hmm. sure that he secures a win, um, just by being, you know, threatened about what mm-hmm. it would mean if he lost and oh yeah we learn that he was on compound V when he ran through robin <laughs> mhm so yes. that's that's why because it seems like when they're on it maybe it's it puts them into a level where they don't have full control over their abilities when you have crazy abilities that could maybe potentially not be a good thing obviously it was not good for robin
0: <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's kind of like the bizarre equivalent of like driving under the influence. It's like our operating heavy machinery under the influence. It's like you, you have this deadly weapon in your body. And if you do not have full control of that weapon, then you might accidentally kill somebody. And we do find out that's what happened with Robin. And so my question for you. Yes. How are you feeling about a train given that we know this now? I mean, (sighs) I feel sad and for him. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, because we also know he starts using V because he's worried if he loses this race, he's gonna get kicked out of the seven. So he's literally going to lose his job. So yeah. it does make me feel a little more sympathetic towards him, you know.
1: Yeah, and he just seems like like I'm not very impressed with him as a superhero. <laughs> like these aren't really like superhero behaviors. You know, I mean, clearly none of them are really doing, you know, living up to the superhero name, but it's just kind of sad and pathetic a little bit.
0: It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I just was writing this thing about the boys for Slash film about like their powers that don't make sense, because if you really start to dig in, there are some inconsistencies with some stuff. And one of the things I thought was interesting is why A-Train is losing his seems to be losing his powers. Why are his powers variable when it doesn't really seem like that's a factor for other people? And I don't know how much we need to get into this now because it's going to be a factor later on, Mm. but this is the first we see that like he has to keep his powers up. He has to keep his powers good enough. And it's like Homelander being insecure all the time, except he actually has a reason to be insecure because he might, become obsolete he might get too old and it seems like he is one of the only soups so far that is concerned about this you know
1: yeah like his body maybe just not responding the way it has in the past
0: yeah it's like homelander doesn't like stop being able to fly or like he doesn't fly slower or he doesn't get less strong but a train seems to and it could be because it's an action. It's not like a state of his being. Yeah. That, like, this seems to be something he has to train for. He has to keep using Compound V to keep it up. But it's just, A-Train, he and Mave, man, there's just a lot to these characters, you know. And as a, as a former addict, too, like, it does make me feel a little more sympathetic. I don't like A-Train, but,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like, you know. You do think sometimes when you're under the influence that you would never do, and otherwise, and I think we see Adrian is under a lot of pressure, and that's part of the reason he uses like that. Yeah, you know, making excuses for him because <laughs> he ran through Robin, <laughs> yeah, and he and he hurt my Huey, so not cool. And he, he like won't,
1: it's interesting that he won't acknowledge his relationship with Popclaw, like we see mm-hmm. that. Where she thought, you know, this event was gonna be like their big public kind of coming out. Yeah. And A Train didn't hold up his end of the bargain, which is obviously like super hurtful. And it's just kind of sad because there's something about her that he's maybe embarrassed about, maybe mm-hmm. because she is a B list superhero. And mm-hmm. but at the same time, like she knows him and knows his secrets, right? And mm-hmm. That's so just very, I don't know, spineless behavior. Like, oh, you're embarrassed of me, but like, you're the one who's taking a performance enhancing drug to keep up this appearance of that you're a superhero, you know? And so it's just ugh, yeah. gross. She can do better.
0: She can do better. <laughs> yeah, she deserves better. Like, if she were my friend, I would give her the book. She's just, he's just not that into you and tell him, <laughs> yeah. you know? It doesn't mean you're any less. Like, just find somebody who's got their shit together. And it's, like, it's not that Vought won't let them be seen together or won't let them be out as a couple. It's that he won't request it, you know? which I wonder if he won't request it because he knows they won't approve it and he doesn't want to be told no and he doesn't want to have to go to bat for them because for their relationship because then he's going to find out how low on the totem pole he actually is. You yeah, know? yeah. So it's all kind of just feeding into this insecurity and this like this kind of really toxic workplace at Vought, you know, it's like Homelander kind of walks around and pushes everybody around and everybody else just like tries to exert all of this power and manipulation over everybody and tries to make them all feel like shit so that Mm -hmm. to like keep their own power it's just so it's really fascinating and we see that like his rejection of her And his after he wins the race, he gets all of this fame and celebration. He gets to keep his job and he makes just kind of a crack about being single. And like that's what pushes her to use V again. And it's really, it's really sad. It is sad.
1: Not, not good. I feel like we've seen this in so many movies where like, Mm -hmm. yeah, some celebrity gets interviewed and like, like, oh, are you here with anybody special? And you're like, no. No, I'm single. Yeah, because they're more yeah. desirable, right? Like celebrities are, unless they're dating somebody equally desirable, like they're more desirable single. Because then yeah. people, you yeah, know, like maybe I could be do, with them. You know,
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which like, no, you're not going to be with A Yeah. Um, although I do get the sense that like, if an A-list soup wanted to be with A Train, like he would probably dump Popclaw, but he would mm-hmm. miss her because I think he really does love her. Like. Their relationship when they are together in her apartment seems legit, you know. And, and she yeah. sucks his toes. <laughs> I, know. Like, <laughs> I know. Like he's a runner. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, but yeah, no it's, king it's, shaming. It, no king. No, shaming. hey, yeah, whatever you're into, that's <laughs> that's great. But I second toes is not my thing, on either end of that spectrum. Um. But yeah, it's, it's like a, a, the that thing you do kind of relationship or like when Homer is in the B Sharps and they tell <laughs> him and Marge has to pretend that she's not married to him. So, yeah. Um, well, OK, we've already kind of mentioned Madeline and I think she's going to factor into another character that we're going to talk about. So let's move into our next category, which is Spice Girls i need to i was like can we soon. drop it in
1: like a clip I'm... of like oh
0: I'll tell you what, want, what i really want really, to really, want. really want yeah i know it, if we wouldn't get sued i need to find out like what the minimum amount of time we mm-hmm. can put in the episode is yeah which is like maybe five seconds yeah <laughs> well tell me what to...
1: that's and it that's yeah yeah there we go
0: hey but it's enough it's enough to get the song stuck in your head for a yep. week which is our goal um so we talked a little bit about madeline let's talk about starlight because i believe her her meeting with madeline is what kicks off the episode if i'm remembering correctly so the last we saw her we were worried that she was going to get fired because Mm -hmm. or she was worried she was going to get fired ashley was allowing her to believe she was going to get fired regardless of what was going to happen but that's not what happens when we walk into the meeting. Apparently, this woman has come forward, is very grateful for Starlight for saving the day, and so Starlight is a hero now. Yay. Ashley's on board. <laughs> Madeline is on board, although in a less reserved or a more reserved way. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets a great reward for this uh, saving this. <laughs> the day and being so popular, yay, she gets to show her boobs more. Woo. Congratulations. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. So they and I love this marketing team that comes in. Like these guys are just they're so funny. Like big uh little Iowa girl comes into the big city. She gets a oh fancy new outfit. Oh. Well and I love like okay so yeah Starlight's response
1: to this outfit is understandably uh she's mm-hmm. you know less than enthused because you know why would she want to um be objectified in that way like why of course not like don't blame her but i love how yeah these marketing guys are like well yeah starlight's like oh it just doesn't you know it's not very me and they're like you're wrong it's totally you Mm -hmm. (laughs) i love them we know you (laughs) yeah and they're like it's empowering it's feminine and she's like what and i just love that of course it's like these men telling her that it's empowering (laughs)
0: right exactly Uh. and this woman just horrified that she doesn't like her beautiful outfit and it is a cool outfit like and there are some women or some people that would find this a very empowering thing to wear and be really excited like it's essentially wearing a bathing suit and thigh-high boots to fight crime so there's not only and like i like i don't know this is gonna sound weird but like as she wears this like it's extremely revealing you know All over. And I just imagine how uncomfortable I would feel. But she's not quite saying, oh, this is too slutty. I would never wear it. She's just saying it's not me. Yeah. Which I really appreciate because, like, it could, somebody else could see it as very feminist. But she is saying it's my body. Mm -hmm. I should be able to decide what I put on it. And that is a perfect point. And what I love about Starlight is she will say that shit. Yeah. You know, even if she doesn't always follow through on it, you know.
1: I did love Madeline's response, though. And she's like, you're right. You totally do have, like, every right to do that, but not in the seven. Like, you can go do that somewhere else. Like, Madeline is so... Like, what she's saying, like, the way she says it doesn't... Like, her face doesn't seem like meme. Like, you know, she's not saying it necessarily in a tone that would immediately come across as, like... Brutal, but like Mm -hmm. the words that she's saying are very pointed, and like there's no no gray area. Like, sure, you don't have to wear this, but you also don't have to be a member of the Seven. So, yeah, choice is yours.
0: (laughs) Which is almost exactly what the Deep said to her in the first episode. That you know, I mean, and I'm not comparing. Them imposing this outfit on her to a sexual assault, but it is similar. It's like if you don't use your body in a way that pleases us or that works for the company, then you cannot have this job anymore. So yeah, I mean, I would consider that harassment, workplace harassment.
1: I also just like, I mean, I you think about this with like Wonder Woman. I don't know, I have thought about this a lot. It's just like doesn't seem practical. like exactly how yeah. do you i mean i guess she's a superhero but like maybe she has superhero boobs but like how do you keep them in <laughs> like that mm-hmm. doesn't like i'm sorry like you're like flipping around and stuff like that is gonna be you know a wardrobe malfunction i guess uh-huh. at, exactly at least with this it's one starlight anything, can like me. zip it up i guess but
0: <laughs> <laughs> right but still yeah that's a good point point. and like you know you're gonna get a wedgie if you're trying to kick people like yeah ooh. Plus, yeah, I, high heels. Yeah, there's just so much that's impractical <laughs> about this outfit. <laughs> yep. Uh, I say as a person who's just completely signed off wearing underwire forever. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not doing that <laughs> anymore. Now I am built so that I don't need underwire, like if you know what I mean. But like, I don't know. It it takes a lot for me to put on heels these days, and I definitely wouldn't fight crime in it. No. Um, but you know. Again, not kind of kink shame. Like if if that's your thing, that's great. But what we see, we see how uncomfortable she is in this outfit because like she can't even take a selfie with someone or take a picture without her boobs essentially falling out. And she is immediately heckled for it in front of this little girl who's wearing her old outfit which just that that whole scene just breaks my mm. heart you know and the little girl immediately dismissing this outfit that she probably saved all this money to get to try to get this super skimpy one that a 10 yeah. year old should not be wearing you know yeah
1: and it's just i mean it's such a strong scene because yeah we see these these guys like heckling her Basically, reinforcing exactly like all of her reservations about wearing that outfit, like Mm -hmm. validating her feelings and why she didn't want to do that, because she wants to be a superhero, not necessarily like a sex icon. And and then seeing that in front of a little girl, I think, I mean, that would be difficult for anybody. I mean, that would be difficult for, you know, a real person, a celebrity or, or whatever, just like somebody... Being put in that situation in front of somebody who is as innocent as that little girl, and just being like, Yeah, this is what you have to look forward to isn't isn't this great? And mm, I, don't, exactly. I mean she's a superhero, like she doesn't she should be respected more than that, but yeah, I don't know well this, yeah.
0: it's like what you were saying earlier, like she is popular based on who she is when she enters the seven and Everything Vaught does is to try to make her someone else. And right. it's like they don't realize what it is that people like about her. They're just trying to make her into their like sex symbol or their their big city girl now, you know, and it just it would it would piss me off too, you know. Yeah.
1: But she does take a minute. She does say, you know, like I need a sec and yeah. uh don't save up your money. I like that outfit better to the little girl. So like in her own way, like she still is protesting basically and just, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, she's wearing the outfit, but she's not happy about it and she's not pretending to be happy about it. So that was, again, really nice to see that she's not fully letting these little these little cuts defeat her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She she's just. Yeah. She's really cool. And I think about all of the times that I have been in situations, not not like that, but like just in place where I'm challenged in my job and mm-hmm. I have to kind of go along with it and how quick I am to pretend nothing's wrong. And it just makes me admire her so much that she she lets them know, yes, I'm doing this, but only because of you and only because you said you would fire me if you didn't. And I think everybody at the show can tell that she's not happy about it too. She just, she gets up and walks out.
1: Yeah. I'm getting the feeling like Starlight's starting to understand that, like, yes, this whole system is a little corrupt in certain ways, but like there is something powerful about, you know, being on the inside, right? Like that Mm -hmm. position, no matter how much she might detest it at the moment there is still a power in just being in that room. And Mm -hmm. I yeah, I just feel like we're starting to get little sneak peeks of that. And that's influencing some of her decisions and keeping her from actually just throwing in the towel and being like, screw you guys, because there is some power. And hopefully, you know, maybe she can make a change at some point from within. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that little girl does listen to what she says. You know, I mean, we don't know what she's going to do with her money, but like, she like people are looking up to her so yeah yeah but when she takes a minute she goes to the well she's going to the locker room but she runs into Huey and they go on their first date oh my god so cute and I just love them so much like they're one of my all-time favorite couples um so let's talk a little bit about Huey and maybe we can talk about their date really quick and there's not a whole lot to say other than it feels like a continuation of this this scene on the park bench where it's like it feels like they are the only two people in either of their lives who like really see it, see them and that they feel like they can be honest with even if they're not saying everything or they're hiding big secrets like it feels like they can tell each other how they actually feel in a way that they can't with anybody else you know.
1: Yeah well and she this okay so this is the first time that he puts the pieces together that Annie is Starlight. mm -hmm. And so there's that realization. And then I also love she remembers his name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like compared to A Train obviously when runs into Huey and even though he killed his girlfriend Mm -hmm. can't seem to remember his name or his face or even like recognize what how they know each other but here is starlight also a superhero who is remembering this guy's name that she had one conversation with on a bench granted Mm -hmm. it's a good conversation and he's cute but also it just speaks more to the kind of person that she is
0: yeah and that a train is too and the fact that like you can see in huey's face how angry he is that a train doesn't even remember him that like he lingers there for a minute and he's like tempting fate. He's like, you don't, you don't know me. Like, how can you not know who I am? And I imagine I would be so angry at that point too. Yeah. But when he's talking to starlight, we're like one of, I don't want to reveal too much, but one of the, I think kind of overarching themes is can superheroes be good, you know, Mm -hmm. because the boys, like, especially Butcher, like, superheroes, they're all bad. Nobody deserves this much power. We Let's kill them all, you know, and I think Huey, given his experience with A-Train, is inclined to kind of go along with that, and now he realizes that this girl that he connected with, who told him he hated, she hated her job, is a superhero too. So you can kind of see his wheels turning in the back of his head with Butcher in his ear too. Yeah. Saying like, but how can how can these two things exist in the same person? How can this person be inherently evil because of what she can do, but also be a good person, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think we, you know, Huey's really reckoning or, or I don't know. He's like mid transformation, I feel like mm-hmm. here. Like yeah. he has clearly... I mean, what does he say? At some point, somebody, actually, I don't even remember who says it, but they say, oh, no, I think it's Huey. He says there's no normal anymore. Yeah. mm -hmm. And like that could be, I mean, what happened with Robin? Clearly, that was a big loss in his life. And Mm -hmm. moving forward, that was going to change a lot of things. And then after he kills a superhero, which is apparently a very rare, massive thing that he has done. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, killing anybody like you can't come back from that you can only move forward changed and so we're starting to see him kind of i think processing that a little bit and trying to reconcile who he is now and like who he wants to be and even in this conversation with starlight he's doing that like he turns off the like walkie-talkie at some point because he just wants Mm. to be honest with her and have a good conversation Mm -hmm. but is also cutting butcher out because of how he feels and just doesn't I don't know. He's treating her differently. And it's just so cute.
0: I know. It's so sweet. (laughs) And and honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, you get the sense too, that like, I think he is seeing, I don't want to be butcher, you know, like I want to be like butcher. And there are things that I can admire about butcher and I can like his, I don't know, go getterness is the way to describe it, but like his, his willingness to act And to kind of be dynamic and get shit done. But also, like, look at how he treats people, you know? And he's kind of saying, I'm not going to treat Annie like this. I don't want to just blatantly use her, you know?
1: Well, and, like, I mean, this whole thing, right? Like, we're dealing with good versus evil. And I think Huey Mm -hmm. is very much exist. And and Starlight, too. They exist in the gray area in between. Where Mm -hmm. And, like, he's owning his anger like we see him kind of really just letting that anger out about so many Mm -hmm. things we see him trash his room and like kind of say some like harsh words to his very sweet dad who like like honestly like yes maybe he's been babying him and kind of like enabling him in some regards but like you can tell like he's not doing it out of like malice or anything like simon Pegg, like he just loves his son and likes to hang out with him and you know so it's just interesting to see him yeah let that anger out and be okay with that but also Mm -hmm. realize that like yeah he doesn't want to be like butcher not all superheroes are bad and kind of trying to figure out his own stance on things
0: right yeah and he says something interesting to another character we're going to talk about in just a minute and he says like The last thing he said to Robin was, like, don't besmirch Billy Joel, you know, which is, is like, it's funny, but it's also, like, you can tell this is, like, weighing on him, you know, that this is, like, this is what's going through his mind. Like, this is the last thing I ever said. And I've been reading that where I just finished The Year of Magical Thinking, which is the book Mm. Joan Didion wrote when her husband died. And so I've just kind of been thinking about the ways that you process grief and how those kinds of things just kind of spin in your head and you fixate on it. And I think like he seems to be not necessarily rejecting his father, but just rejecting this life. And his dad is just a part of his, of a part of this old life. And, you know, he, he seems, I would pin him maybe 25, 26, you know, somewhere around there. And he's still living at home. He's still living in his childhood bedroom. And so like, this is a phase that I feel like all people get to at a certain point. And he's just, it's like rebelling and embracing this new life and rejecting his dad. And it just, this growth, I think it just hurts, you know, all, yeah. all change hurts, all growth hurts. That's why change in the tarot is represented by the death card, you know, because mm-hmm. there's a shedding of your skin and, you know, as, as a parent too, like, I know that's going to happen with my kids at some point, And you know, it just, I, I did it with my parents, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. He was comfortable
1: and he's entered a phase where he is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but he, but I feel like he's learning to be okay with that.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like to, to sit with his, his grief and to sit with his, his frustration and, you know, and he does kind of, Get some of his rage out, and I think he also has a really interesting conversation with our new character um but he's talking about how it felt when he killed um translucent, and that like he felt alive he felt which mm. I kind of read as like I am doing something like this grief that this like upset that has been weighing on me like I'm actually doing something with it, and action always feels better than vulnerability or inaction you know yeah but i think our character who i'm gonna stop beating around the bush in just a minute but reminds him like everything comes at a price like that rush is the same rush a train gets when he shoots up with v you know it makes you it makes you feel powerful it makes you feel like you can do anything you can take control of your situation and you're gonna pay for that at some point and sometimes it's worth it you know yeah so the character that I've been mentioning is Mother's Milk. So this is our first introduction to Mother's Milk. So just want to get your first reactions to this character.
1: I mean, I'm loving all these new characters. Let me tell you. Like, I, I was like, yes,
0: yes, yes. We're like getting
1: mm-hmm. getting into things now, right? I always mm-hmm. say, like, give a TV show three episodes. Like, no matter what it is, give it three episodes. And if you're, like, not into it by then, okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But, like, I feel like this is where it really starts digging in and developing and so i was happy to see this um i oh, just wait
0: till the character we meet in episode four yay <laughs> that was a little just teaser but sorry i love it. that because you you're completely right and i love that sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but like no, i yeah. love the way we're like We get to take time meeting Frenchie and we get to take time meeting Mother's Milk, you know?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I am interested in him. I think it's very – I mean, he's working at, like, a juvenile detention center. And, Mm -hmm. like, that is a tough job. Oh, yeah. But Uh he seems to treat them with respect and also, like, has a certain respect from them. So, clearly, there's something – good in this person i think so that's mm-hmm. my first impression of him is that yeah he might have cl- i mean clearly if he knows butcher like he has a past something went down mm-hmm. but somewhere in there is a good person who's trying to in some way make up for that and mm-hmm. he seems very sweet with his you know partner or Maybe. wife or whoever
0: I mean, anybody that has Rick Astley on his ringtone, I'm going to be a fan of. Like, I Fair. have memories of listening to that song at the pool when I was a kid. And oh, I just love that song. But his conversation with Monique is so sweet. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can tell, like, he doesn't want to say I love you in front of the boys, but she wants him to say it, and just you can tell how much he cares for her, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's so sweet. But yeah, I I love him. And I love this introduction to him because I think we we get a really good sense about who he is, you know. Mm -hmm. And there's one big piece of his personality that I hadn't noticed before until I saw the until now that I've seen the whole season, I clocked something that he did, which I thought was really interesting. I don't want to mention it now. Well, maybe I'll say like straightening his papers. I I thought that was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. He seemed Um,
1: very organized.
0: Yes, yes, um, and I also love like he understands addict behavior. So in a way, like I meant to mention with Huey, he's the one who knows how to hack into, um, into Popclaw's apartment, right? But MM is the one who knows to look for the drugs at her house. Like he understands how addicts think. I don't know if that comes from him being an addict himself or just working with these like at-risk youth. He just right. kind of knows knows what this behavior looks like and so he's really a big piece of the key to to solving more of the mystery too. So
1: Plus he's just a beautiful man.
0: Oh yes, he is. Laws, let's see. Laws
1: Alonso.
0: Yep. Mhm. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um he also does not want to work with Butcher. Nobody wants to work with Butcher. <laughs> I Colin got shocker. <laughs> And he doesn't want to work with Frenchie. So we get, and this maybe can cross over a little bit with Butcher. There's not a whole lot to say about Butcher in this episode. Yeah. But with his conversations with MM, we hear about Becca and we hear about the Mallory stuff. And that. Both of those things seem to be big, pivotal things.
1: That... My notes are just like, who's Becca? Who's Smaller? Like, who are these people? I'm dying to well, know.
0: <laughs> so curious, do you have any thoughts about that yet? Or are you just more just kind of curious to see how it's going to play out?
1: Oh, I'm just excited because it's like, oh, you know, I feel like, it's like, you know, they're going to come back to it. So, and I just, mm-hmm. yeah, we it's like we're, we get introduced to these characters, but they do such a good job at letting you know that like, there's more here. Like it's not, you know, what you see is not necessarily what you get. And they're just like teasing you with these stories and these histories. And how does he know butcher? Like, what did he do? Like, how does he know Frenchie? Like what happened there? And just all of Mm. these dynamics and just alluding to that past. And I'm just dying to see it.
0: Well, and I want to say too, like having been through the series twice at this point and going back now, and really like analyzing what we're seeing. Like I'm picking up things like what I said about like MM's papers, you know? Yeah. And like what just kind of a casually mentioning the Mallory stuff. Like these are fully formed characters yeah. right now. And the way these seeds are gonna grow in later series, like it's really fascinating, but I think it's just so impressive that Kripke really seems to have a handle on the story right now you know because a lot of times especially in the first season like you're really kind of trying to figure out what's going on with these characters and i feel like he he knows what he's doing with these and i think partly that's having only 10 episodes to work with and also you know the leisure not leisure leisure is not the right word but the flexibility of a premium channel where you're not like kind of having to bow to season durations right
1: it's so it's funny because i I saw this tweet like a thread this week from gail simone who's a writer and she does a lot of comic books and Mm -hmm. has done tons of like dc stuff and yeah very very accomplished Mm -hmm. comic writer and she was talking about how like one of the problems i mean lots of people have complaints about marvel movies and stuff like that but how Mm -hmm. it's shifted so much to the superheroes that there's not enough like ancillary just regular human characters and that was Mm -hmm. really kind of the strength of a lot of these legacy characters and the legacy stories was those relationships Mm -hmm. and how they interacted with you know the world and people around them and i think that's just something Mm -hmm. that is so well done in this series already is countering these superheroes with these just these normies right and Mm -hmm. like like how they talk about like huey i mean what do they talk about like his how his tech skills like oh this kid's full of surprises that's what butcher says and it's Mm -hmm. like they have their strengths too and kind of pitting these normal human beings with Skill sets against these superheroes. And that's, yeah, it's something that for some reason these larger, gigantic, billion dollar movies are kind of forgetting is the power of, mm-hmm. of normal people. Like, we don't all want to just exactly. watch super- superheroes all the time. And so it's just, I know mm-hmm. this came out a little while ago, but it is still feels like very refreshing to see just normal humans written so
0: well. Right. Exactly. Because if all we are ever seeing is the superheroes just smashy, smashy, smash, (laughs) then at some point it becomes like, like Homelander and Maeve just kind of strolling through this emergency situation, you know? Yeah. Um, And I mean, you could also argue they are basing this on a comic book so the story is essentially already written but I found some stuff out about some of these characters and and it seems like a very different story so I would be interested at some point to to cover yeah I found something out about Homelander and I was like whoa which we'll talk about in season three okay (laughs) because it involves a character we don't know yet but Uh, All right. Well, let's move. I think we've already talked about a lot of our good and evil things. Oh, uh, there's one thing I wanted to mention about Butcher. We've already talked about most of his stuff, but I fucking love the scene at the race when everybody is watching the race and he's just turned around and he's staring daggers right at Homelander. You know, and this yeah. is somebody who has laser vision and you get the sense that like that Butcher has these laser eyes right into Homelander. I love it.
1: It felt very like cinematic to me. Like I couldn't pinpoint mm-hmm. like, you know, like oh is that Hitchcockian or is that Lynchian? I don't know. Right. I couldn't pinpoint it, but it felt very like classic cinema to me almost in a way. Mm-hmm. Just that like kind of haunting image of just you know, yeah, all these people with their backs and then just one person forward.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like it follows, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like everybody is around, but this one person, they're looking at you. Also, you know? Also, I'm for- just – I'm not sure that's such a great
1: idea though, Butcher. Like why are you going to draw attention yeah. to yourself?
0: <laughs> exactly. But, you know, that's, that's Butcher. Butcher, don't give a fuck, you yeah. know, for better or worse. <laughs> so maybe he but- should. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting because you can kind of feel – Homelander, I don't think he, I don't think afraid is the right word, but he's like, what's going on with this guy? Yeah. And then, of course, at the end, we see that they got a whole trunk full of translucent parts and the message, we're coming for you, so.
1: Yeah, I would, the the idea of weaknesses is interesting. And Mm -hmm. one, like, that was something I didn't necessarily see. Coming, not that it was like a huge Mm -hmm. reveal or anything. Like obviously, translucent, translucent (laughs) had Mm -hmm. a weakness, and they exploited Mm -hmm. that. And you know the way that they dispose of him kind of highlights Homelander's weakness. And I mean that's a classic superhero thing, right? That's that's a classic, classic mythological thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like their Achilles heel and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I love this idea and just like how we kind of see Homelander processing like, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? Mm -hmm. What does this mean for all of us? Like, this is not your run-of-the-mill people. Like, there's some
0: thought behind this. Exactly. Yeah. They might know what my weakness actually is because I think Homelander is very aware of what his weakness is, you know, and he knows, especially like given in just three episodes, how much importance we've seen at Vought about numbers and followers and like how many points you're up, you know, and how like closely they're tracking popularity. And like Homelander is seeing a, a dead soup. And I mean, I don't know if Homelander is actually invincible and could actually die, but he's probably not concerned about his bodily harm, mm-hmm. you know, but what he's concerned about is losing his status and what's the rest of his life going to be like? Like how is he going to like he he's afraid of getting canceled, you know, what are what's going to happen to me if people don't love me anymore? And I think that's just such an interesting fear for somebody so strong to have, you know, but also extremely relatable. You know, and if you think about superheroes like actors yeah. too, yeah. you know, it's like you got to constantly stay stay in people's favor you always have to say no you're the real hero you know <laughs> even if he even if it's clear you don't mean it
1: well and if you see I mean you think about just what happens in the real world where people are in just gigantic positions of power and if one falls you can just like it's like you can almost feel that ripple around like people mm-hmm. are in similar positions like oh my god like Harvey Weinstein went to jail you know like right. suddenly uh-huh. it's like that you know, curtain drops like, you know, that you, and you're suddenly like vulnerable, like something that you thought could never happen to you, suddenly like maybe could, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. has you like reevaluating. Not saying like, you know, everybody like is like Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> but I think you get what yeah. I'm saying.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, I remember hearing like everybody was all of these men were like, uh oh, did what I did. Like, I thought it was fine. I didn't ever get in trouble for it. But did she misread it? You know, you just start second guessing a lot of things and it just makes you feel like, oh, maybe I might be vulnerable. Well, that's how like change happens.
1: That's how change Mm -hmm. happens, too. Right. You see like leaders or people in these high positions of power and suddenly like all sometimes all it takes is for one person to be held accountable. And that can have real impact in the day to day life of like so many people and so many companies because. I mean, yeah, nobody wants to be in that position. So you better yeah, change your policies and how you act, because clearly nobody is immune from the consequences. And that's, you know, what we would hope for. But if you're a Homelander, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah,
0: that's not that's
1: not necessarily what you want.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and they're also trying to get into the military at this point, too. And so, like, if if soups can die, if if the seven can die, yeah. you know, are they really that powerful, and if the power comes like i'm I can't remember what this what this quote is from, but it's like our power comes from the perception of our power mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, oh, it's from Chernobyl when they're talking about the Soviet Union and the guy from the KGB is saying our power comes from the perception of our power, and when that perception is gone, right. it all crumbles. And what they have said, I've watched Chernobyl so many times. I fucking love that Just documentary. Feel feel or good. Not documentary. Feel good story. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this, but, like, I've put it on in a loop and just watched it over and over again. I just love it. Um, it's also not a documentary. I do know that, but I also love it. Also, it's got a scars guard in it. so There you go. you know, that's a big plus. <laughs> but one of the things Gorbachev has said is that he really thinks that the Chernobyl disaster was, like, the first step in the dissolution of the USSR is because it's that one show of weakness or that one link in the chain breaking that just starts a domino effect and all of a sudden it's like what you were saying it's like when somebody like harvin weinstein goes down like well nobody's safe you know and anything can happen and you know although people like harvey weinstein should go down oh no absolutely that's why it's like yeah, yeah
1: it can have positive impacts um, but if right. you're in a similar position trying to get away with similar awful things, like yeah, you should right. <laughs> you should be shaking in your boots, like mm-hmm. right rightfully so. I, I exactly. am curious, like they haven't really clarified how the soups feel about potentially going into the military. Because if I were them, I don't think I'd want that. Because the second they're in the military, right, like you're gonna have other nations. Like dissecting your weaknesses. <laughs> like, how mm-hmm. can we destroy? Like, how can we destroy this person? And yeah, I don't think I would want that. Because, like, right now they're that's kind that's of like existing in like a weird other, it seems like, anyways, like a position of power, but they're not fighting other countries. So they're not really a threat to them. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, the UK is not going to necessarily care what's going on with the United States superhero. I'm assuming they stay within their, like, territorial boundaries. Yeah, but the second they start crossing them that could be I don't know. I don't know what the benefit would be for the superheroes other I mean, the benefit would be for Vat to get
0: paid, but I don't know about the superheroes themselves. Yeah, and it's interesting like I don't know if they have thought about it, you know, cuz Mave and Homelander they're the only ones that we really see talk about this too much. And they are just using, Maeve is just selling these talking points and she's, you know, just saying what she's been told to mm-hmm. say. And Homelander's like, no, I can do this myself. But I don't get the sense that he really cares that much. It This is just a level up for him. You know, yeah. it feels like a promotion, yeah. you know. But it is interesting. It's kind of like in The Stand, you read it and you're like, does The Stand exist in other countries? You know, yeah. it's just like so far we've only seen America and so... It'll be interesting to see how how this happen, how this works with the rest of the world. Yeah, which is something that we will get to at some point. Sweet. I know it's the show is so good. Um. Well, is there anything else that we want to mention in our themes that we haven't touched on yet?
1: No, I think we talked about a lot of them with the characters. I'm I think to so too. So. Um.
0: The Starlight is, the only thing I wanted to say is she has verbalized now something that we've been talking about for a couple episodes. I don't know if they really want you to be a hero. I think they just want you to look like one, which I think is is a really great kind of summation of that theme. Um, So let's move into shock and awe, which is uh, when we dig into the most exciting moments, the biggest shocks, the coolest stuff. And man, this episode ends with a bang, with a good old pop claw. just my god oh i know i love her little role play like when (laughs) we just cut to her making this deal with her landlord and then him in his underwear like pretending to steal it's hilarious so uh
1: i did not see that coming i can just say (laughs) literally coming like i did not i did not like you know when he's like oh she's like he can't breathe i was like okay but i well yeah that was that was literally shocking to me
0: (laughs) oh i mean his head explodes under her ass it's just like but you know what it's it's not even the most shocking thing i've seen on this show so it's (laughs) It's just funny i mean
1: yeah like if you're a superhero mm -hmm. like you ever you gotta be careful i guess but like dang but i also was surprised too that like for a second i was like wait does she do that intentionally and so i like it was mm-hmm. also shocking to see that like she didn't just because she was on mm-hmm. compound v i think kind of lost control of her abilities like i i am mm-hmm. i'm assuming that she literally was just going to kind of sleep with him so she didn't have to pay rent mm-hmm. but just but accidentally killed him <laughs>
0: Yeah. Just got got a little out of control. You know, again, it's operating heavy machinery mm-hmm. while you're under the influence of compound B, compound V. And I think it's interesting. Um, I wrote in my notes Frenchie because I wrote that at two in the morning, but um, Huey wants to go save him and Butcher stops him. And I think Butcher makes a good point. Totally. Like, You're not going to get, like, you're not going to be able to save him even if you do. Although, I think maybe a startle response would have maybe caused her to fall off of his face and not crush it. Mm -hmm. But there's, it's like, it's hard to tell if Butcher actually thinks it's useless to try to save him or if he doesn't want Huey to save him because now they've got something to blackmail Popclaw with. Oh, Mm -hmm. totally.
1: That's what I thought. It's like now, now they have something that they can hold over her. And mm-hmm. blackmail her, basically.
0: Right. And it just so happens that Huey wouldn't have really been able to save him. So yeah. let's just say that's the reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it also kind of goes back to like the what is the price kind of thing and like keeping your hands clean. It's like they are in a life and death game right now. And, you know, how far are you willing to go? And I think that's something we see Huey start to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Is, how far am I willing to go to? Because I think at this point, they're still a part or it's mostly about avenging Robin. But it's not always going to be about that. And at certain, at some point, it's like, because this is the right thing to do, because they're bad people, because we need to we need to save the world, you know?
1: Yeah. Butcher's got a bigger picture in mind that he's kind of like alluded to, you know, kind of vaguely, at least to Huey. But, he, you know, I, I get the impression he has a, a much more thought out, larger plan kind of just percolating in the back of his head. And this is just, mm-hmm. you know, part of it.
0: Yeah. And it might have something to do with Becca and Mallory, who we we get just a tiny little drop of, which we've already talked about. But we also hear about Mr. Edgar. Oh, my gosh. And yes. You, okay. So let, what do you think about this? Because I love this little name drop. Yeah. I don't know who he is. I don't know, Mr. Edgar, but
1: apparently uh, he's somebody above, you know, Madeline. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, just that name gave Homelander pause, right? Like he was gonna scrap all those notes in Madeline in classic Madeline fashion, just casually like, oh, Mr. Edgar wrote those himself. Um mm-hmm. so you might want to pay attention. And you know, that's enough for him to be like, fine. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who he is, but I'm, I'm guessing he's somebody powerful.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's part of uh, it's like what I was saying with like the fully formed characters is like just planting these little seeds here and there yeah. that just make you. And because the stakes are so super, because these are superheroes, like it goes a long way to for Homelander to be afraid of someone, you know? Yeah, Totally. Um, the other thing that I was shocked by is that everything that we've talked about has happened in like three days. Like, I, the, it's a, such a small thing, but I just, when I heard somebody say, you yeah, know, the past three days, I was like, fuck, this feels like, like three weeks of stuff, you know? So, yeah. So it's, it's moving. Well, and you know? then you think about like Huey's dad, like
1: calling him so many times and it's like because like he was just gone for like a day his dad's like i know (laughs) like panic i mean not that that's like bad but also it just speaks to how like in his comfort zone and routine huey was if his dad is like calling him 50 times like why are you not home to watch this tv show with me like where are you
0: Mm -hmm. yeah uh well unless there's anything else that i've forgotten to mention um let's move into choosing our fighter which is our mvp of the episode so rachel who is your mvp
1: my mvp was Popclaw. claw like <laughs> it's probably like i'm probably just biased because i love britney allen but also like i just i mean she's in this episode a lot like mm-hmm. i kind of expected her to just be like in and out and it's like oh no she's like a major player in this and i think mm. that we see that you know she's got some depth and she's i don't know i'm intrigued and i yeah the most shocking moment in the episode came to me through her so i am excited to learn more about her and see see where she goes
0: yeah she is uh, she's definitely a treat in these episodes i love her and i also love like wolverine's one of my favorite x-men like i love her power too if I could have like ding ding like little I, yeah. bone knives that popped out, I think that would be really cool. And also just anybody who um, has like
1: the guts and like the confidence to just hang like stunning naked pictures of themselves like in their own house, like yes, like you go girl. Totally.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um I I really love her. I think my MVP for this episode is Mother's Milk. Mm. Um because one because we get a really great introduction to him. I think we learn a lot about who he is. But also, I think he is often, like, the quiet stability, you know? And especially in this episode, like, he is really crucial to kind of talking Huey down and helping him through this, like, major thing that's happened. And also, he's the one that is kind of the key to finding the compound V, too. And so I think, like, I just, I he just feels so... Rely like he feels like a safe person to go to in a way that Frenchie feels exciting but doesn't feel safe. No, sure doesn't feel safe. (laughs) You know, Huey feels like you can trust him, but he doesn't quite have his own feet under him. So, like of all of the people in the episode, Mother's Milk is the one that I would go to if I needed help. You know,
1: yeah, or like to watch your dog. Like I'm not gonna trust any of these other guys like my dog. Like Mother's Milk, I feel like would be responsible.
0: Oh, yeah. Also, he knows how to cook and he knows mm-hmm. what his wife like or his what his partner likes to eat for dinner and he will make it for her. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah, lots of good people in this episode. Um, so predictions. Rachel, what do you think might happen next? And what are you excited to see?
1: Well, I feel like we're on the verge of a hideout because, like, I feel like the team is assembling. I'm assuming that these are the boys mm-hmm. <laughs> and. You know, uh, we see Butcher just completely blow up the last place that they were at where, you know, Translucent m- m- met his end. So I feel mm-hmm. like they have to go somewhere. We see Huey pack a bag like he's going to be gone for a while. But where are they going? So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping they've got, you know, their little, you know, bat lair or whatever. And yeah. excited to see that. And then also, yeah. just like Homelanders said, like, this is a war basically what what does that say like inside the trunk like we're coming for you or like i'm coming Mm -hmm. for you something like that or just coming for you yeah Mm -hmm. so i'm excited to see that kind of game of cat and mouse really solidify and Mm -hmm. it's in such a fun place though because the soups don't really know who it is yet so yes and then annie and huey it seems like this is gonna be like a thing so yeah, I want to see more
0: of that, please. <laughs> I love them so much. Um, I also love like just the little line, like we might as well be in a flower truck on the street. And he's like, no, 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 this is not a flower van. This is a this is a regular cable van. <laughs> yeah,
1: nobody would ever expect like, this. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh all right well let's wrap up with some plugs so Rachel where can we find you online if people want to talk to you about Annie and Huey
1: yes so I'm on Twitter at Vinyl Girl G-R-R-R-L and on Instagram at The Vinyl Girl you can also catch me from time to time uh co-hosting The Pod and the Pendulum with our dear friend Mike Snoonian and uh The Losers Club with Miss Jen Adams here as well <laughs>
0: that's me. Yes, you can find me at jim Feratu on Twitter and Instagram and um co-hosting Losers Club podcast and uh I post everything I'm doing so follow me cuz I just I got my fingers in a lot of pies. Yeah, you it's do. Kind of, I'm getting it's kind of there's a lot of pies So, it's yeah, it's hard to run them all down but just I'll I'll post them all. Um and we want to thank the anatomy of a scream pod squad um for hosting our show please make sure to check out some of the other fantastic shows on that feed including bodies of horror white ladies in crisis that's me um such sites to show which is about the hellraiser franchise and clive barker's books in general which is great and the alter tapes there's a lot of really great stuff on that um on that channel and that's going to be it for this episode of The Boys. We are going to be back in two weeks to talk about episode four. And I thought it might be fun to talk about the titles because these titles are so, like, evocative, you know? Yeah. So I already teased a little bit about what's going to happen to this next episode. But episode four is titled The Female of the Species. I love which, it.
1: Oh, love it. So
0: excited. Oh, my God. Who's the woman um, who plays...
1: The character and species, (laughs) the movie.
0: Oh, Natasha (laughs) Henstridge! Oh my God, if she shows up, I'm dead. (laughs) Oh, that would be amazing. I would love that. Just like looking to fuck people, you know? Yeah, (laughs) because that's essentially what those movies are about. (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) Oh, I would love that. Dare I say it might be even better what actually happens? All right, I'm I'm very excited about this episode because I really like it. Um. But until then remember you guys you are the real heroes. The Anatomy of a Scream
1: Pod Squad